things I want to uh, mention that's been brought to my attention. First of all, we're thankful that Ashlyn Poole uh, desires to uh, place her membership with us here at Delrada. She's the daughter of uh, Trey Poole, who preaches at Op. I want to ask her to stand, if she will, please, just briefly. So after services, I hope you'll welcome her and, and let her know how glad we are to have her work and worshiping with us today. We've already talked about Sister Beth Klein uh, leaving us today. And uh, this afternoon at 2.30, if you consider yourself an able-bodied man and are willing to go to her house, she lives in Bellhurst on Mont Vista. If you're willing to go to her house about 2.30, the family really needs some help with uh, loading some boxes and things of that nature. And uh, I know they would very much appreciate your help in that. This morning, we're going to talk about the idea of being willing to pay the price. Tomorrow is Memorial Day, one of my favorite holidays. I think sometimes we don't take our responsibility to the younger generation as seriously as we should by teaching them and admonishing them and letting them know the price that's been paid for our freedom that we often take for granted here in this country. The younger generation needs to be taught. They need to understand the sacrifices that have been made so that we can have what we have and do what we do. Almost 74 years ago, June the 6th, 1944, and I was thinking uh, this morning, Sister Klein, that's about uh, four days before you and Brother Charlie were married, there was a great invasion of Normandy, the beaches of Normandy. And on that particular day, hundreds of landing crafts hit those beaches. Each of those crafts would hold about 200 soldiers. And, you know, I think about the emotions that must have been going through the minds of those young men, many of them just a few years older than our young people sitting here today as those crafts hit the sandy beaches, the doors open, and there was a barrage of machine gun fire and artillery fire, many being killed instantly as those doors opened. Thousands lost their lives. I can't imagine what it would be like to be one of those men in one of those boats knowing what was about to transpire. Each one of those young men willing to pay the price. You know, there's an old saying, you haven't lived unless you have a cause for which you're willing to die. I know several months ago in March, toward the end of March, uh, my family went to Quantico for Phillips graduation from the basic school for Marine officers, and we got to spend a half a day in Washington, D.C., and I really enjoyed visiting the World War II Memorial, the Korean Memorial, the Vietnam Memorial. I remember the emotions that I felt, especially at the Vietnam Memorial, as I uh, met a man that was in full uniform who had fought in Vietnam. And as I briefly talked with him, he 
stated that he was there to make sure that he honored and that people honored 300 of his friends who had lost their lives on the battlefield. You see, sometimes we take for granted the cost of our freedom today, and hopefully we'll reflect on that tomorrow. Now, this is going somewhere, so bear with me. I want to read just two brief accounts in your hearing this morning, and I hope you'll bear with me. Second Lieutenant John E. Butts was one of five brothers to serve in World War II. He went to Normandy with the 60th Infantry, 9th Infantry Division. Butts was wounded on the 14th of June and again on the 16th of June, both times refusing medical evacuation to stay with his platoon. On June 23rd, he led his unit against the enemy for a strategic hill and was critically wounded by the machine gun fire. Butts commanded his men to attack from the side while he alone charged directly to the front, drawing fire away from his men so they could take the hill. He was shot twice again. Butts was less than 10 yards from the machine gunner when he fell for the last time. His unit, taking advantage of Butts' distraction, managed to take the hill. He received the Medal of Honor posthumously. Another quick story, Lieutenant Jamie W. Monteith of the U.S. Army was a member of the 1st Division that fought in Algeria and Italy before transferring to England to prepare for D-Day. During the assault on Omaha Beach in Normandy, his unit was left open when the accompanying tanks became bogged down in sand and seawater. Monteith led his 51 men into the water to storm the beach, but half were shot or drowned before reaching the shore. Pinned down by enemy forces, Monteith ran to each of the survivors' hiding places under fire to rally the troops. He led an assault over open terrain, leading tanks that were finally able to land as the tide came in. He led them through a minefield on foot, eventually capturing an advantageous hill. Monteith's unit continued ahead until they were completely surrounded by the enemy, and there Monteith was shot and killed. He was one month shy of his 27th birthday. So you see, when we think about willing to pay the price, tomorrow our minds focus on Things like this, people who gave their lives and were willing to die for our freedom. You know, we always hear that saying, you don't get something for nothing. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. I know there are likely some exceptions to that rule. And yet even here, I think there's some cost involved. For example, uh, the marvelous soil that is productive today is provided for us to have the physical necessities of food that we need, and yet it's required of man that he learn to till the soil. You see, the great blessings that come from the soil require a man's skill and patient toil. You also think about the rain with which God bathes the earth, and we're about to probably see a lot of rain, and yet 
that can only be a great blessing when man has built reservoirs and pipelines. It's, it's difficult to think of anything that comes without some cost to man. You know, even the greatest blessings of all, the, the blessings that come as a result of God's bountiful love require at least some small response on the part of man. You know, this principle, you don't get something from nothing is seen in countless everyday situations. For example, you know, one of man's longings today is for financial dependence, security in old age. Perhaps most of us have thought about retirement and planning for those later years in life and Yet that can only be achieved after a lifetime of work with careful thought and planning to saving for the future. You know, there's got to be some kind of sacrifice of immediate pleasure for ultimate security. Or you think about a young person, you know, that strives to have a good education. That can only come after long hours of reading and studying, the writing of many papers, the taking of many examinations. You see, the price of a good education is high, but it's worth the cost. Or here's a, a young man that desires to be a, a great athlete. He spends hundreds of hours trying to develop the physical stamina and the special abilities that hopefully will one day allow him to receive the praise of the crowds. Or, or here's a young lady that desires to be a great pianist. She must literally spend hundreds of painstaking hours in practice. Now, I took piano lessons for two years. But folks, just because you took piano lessons doesn't mean you can play. Because I can't really play a note. You see, I tried to practice before my lesson each time so that I wouldn't appear to be just musically illiterate. But you see, that's not how you become a piano player. You have to work real hard. A good name, a good reputation is only achieved after a lifetime of effort. Nothing worthwhile comes without cost. Now that brings us this morning to what we want to talk about, and that is the subject of man's salvation. Now first of all, we need to realize and we need to remember today that man in and of himself is lost. We are condemned. We are hopeless and helpless in every way, unable to do anything at all in and of ourselves in order to be saved. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, there is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3 and verse 23. The writer of Ecclesiastes said in chapter 7 and verse 20, there's not a just man upon the earth who does good and sins not. Now in order to free man from his perilous, awful plight, that sin that had separated him from God, God stepped in on our behalf 
God did for us what we could never do for ourselves and he paid the price. And we read of God's willingness to make that great sacrifice in the words of our Lord in John 3 and verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is also reflected in the words of Paul who said in Romans 5 and verse 8, but God commends his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, the essential, the main payment for man's salvation is found in the life and in the death of Jesus Christ. The part our Lord paid as he fulfilled God's plan, that's the big part in our salvation. In fact, it's so major part of the payment that it's almost possible to say that it's the total payment. And if we keep it in the right context, we probably can say that it's the total payment. In fact, Paul wrote the Ephesians, beginning in Ephesians 2 and verse 8. He said, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. See, man is essentially saved by God's grace. That just simply means that salvation is the free gift of God. It means that God paid the price for your salvation. But there's also a part that we have to play. I struggle with a way to kind of illustrate this. And I finally came up maybe with an, an elementary kind of illustration that might help us here. Suppose someone told you that at midnight tonight, if you'll go to your front door sometimes between midnight and 15 after 12, there'll be a package on your front porch. And inside this nicely wrapped package, there will be 10,100 brand new dollar bills. Now, certainly that million dollars is not something that I deserved. It's not something that I earned in any way whatsoever. It's a free gift. But you see, my part is that I have to be willing at midnight to go to the front door and open that door and get that package and receive the gift. Now, the main part, the big part, was given by somebody else. My part was very small. It was almost nothing. But if I failed to go to the front door, then that nicely wrapped package with that money would not be mine. Now, if somebody told you that, I wonder how many people would go to the front door tonight at midnight. There are many people that would think that that's just foolish and, you know, they'd stay in bed and they wouldn't even think about going to the front door. Some people might do so out of curiosity. Some might genuinely believe that and go to the front door right at midnight to see what was there. 
But what I'm saying here is that, you know, even our lives as Christians involves more than just going to the door. But I, I think that properly illustrates what God has done for us and his part versus the part that we play. And so there is a vital part that, that we play in our salvation. We have to get up and, and we have to go to the door. A part of that price is found in Hebrews 11 and verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so the first condition of salvation is that man must believe in God that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that seek him. We read about another condition that man must meet in Acts 17 and verse 30. The Bible says that God commands all men everywhere to repent. I think that's the most difficult condition there is. To change our lives, to turn from the love and service of sin to the love and service of God. But man must repent. And yet another part of man's payment for salvation is found in that third condition of pardon. We must be willing to confess the name of Christ, Romans 10, 9 and 10. And still another important condition that man must meet in order to receive this free gift from God. And again, none of these things allows us to deserve this gift. None of these things that we do puts us into God's debt. We are earning absolutely nothing in doing these things. We are simply working the works of God. Faith is a work of God. And yet another important condition that we must meet is found in the story of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. You know, Saul spent three days fasting and in prayer in Damascus after he had come to believe that Jesus was the Christ. And yet this penitent man, this believing man still was not saved. Ananias came to him and said, Saul, why tarriest thou? Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Later, the apostle Paul, as a mature Christian, would write by inspiration in Romans 6, 3, and 4, Know ye not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we should also walk in newness of life. You see, these passages indicate in a very brief way the price that we have to pay in order to become a Christian. Now, the great price has been paid by our Lord. A small price is what we have to pay in order to receive God's gift. And even after we've gone to the door, so to speak, even after we have paid that small price, salvation is still not something that we deserve, nor will we ever deserve it. But you know, in addition to becoming a Christian, a part of the price that man must pay 
in order to have eternal salvation is living a pure, clean, holy life. There must be purity of life, purity of thought, purity of speech, purity of action. A Christian has to understand and to realize that they're not of the world and a Christian's going to have to forego some of the activities around them that maybe they would like to participate in. A Christian is going to have to watch and be aware of their associates and make sure that they don't allow evil companionships to corrupt good morals. And of course, that requires self-discipline. You know, there are things which the non-Christian sees which the Christian must not see. There are things which the non-Christian reads which the Christian must not read. There are many places that the non-Christian goes that a Christian may not go. You think about a young athlete that many times is willing to give up activities and maybe companionship in order to focus on that goal that he has as an athlete. That's just a part of the price which a Christian must pay in order for that Christian to have eternal life in heaven. We cannot be a part of the world. And when you think about the price that, that God has paid, the price of sending his son, is it too much to ask that we be here for Bible class on Sunday morning? Is it too much to ask to be here when the saints assemble on Wednesday night? Is it too much to ask to be that shining light, that influence for good in a world of darkness? And still further, there's the work that a Christian must do for the Lord. You know, we stop and think about the description of that awesome judgment scene. Our Lord describes that scene there where all men of all nations are there assembled around the great judgment bar of God. In Matthew 25 and verse 31, our Lord says, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all of his holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats, and he shall set the sheep on his right hand, and the goats on the left. Then the king is going to say to them on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. But then notice that word for. For I was hungered and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. See, one who's a Christian, one who's a follower of Jesus Christ, one who is willing to pay the price is one that is sympathetic to the needs of his fellow man and he tries to serve his fellow man, his brothers and sisters in Christ. We must be active just like the Lord was. 
in helping others deal with adversity. But in contrast to that, we might state the matter the other way. As Christ went on to describe the judgment in verse 41, then shall he say to them on his left hand, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. There's that word for again. For I was hungered and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you took me not in. I was naked, you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, you didn't visit me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. See, those who fail to work for the Lord, those who fail to serve God by serving others will forfeit that gift that God is so willing to give us, those that aren't willing to pay the price will lose the reward. We just need to understand that Matthew 6, emphasizes that we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But you know, before our Lord went back to heaven, he gave these final words regarding a price that, that we must pay for our salvation. In Matthew 28 and verse 19, our Lord said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Surely the greatest work, the, the greatest price, if you please, that we must pay for the free gift of salvation is sharing the good news, sharing the gospel with those that don't know it. To realize we've been taught to teach others, we've been baptized to baptize somebody else. That's a part of our responsibility. That's a price we must pay. And yet that price has nothing at all to do with earning wages, earning our salvation. It's just our response, if you please. It's going to the door to receive the free gift. You see, we need to realize that it's always cost something to be a Christian. Abraham had to leave Ur of the Chaldees and, and go to a land that he did not know. Noah had to prepare an ark for the coming flood when it had never rained upon the earth before. Moses chose to leave the pleasures of Egypt and the wealth of Egypt, the fame, the fortune, to suffer affliction with the people of God. Daniel chose to forego the delicacies of Nebuchadnezzar's table. Paul gave up his personal ambition as a brilliant young Jewish lawyer, the prestige that he would possess. It cost all of these and many others Many who gave their own lives for the cause of Jesus Christ. See, becoming a Christian costs us love, our dedication, and commitment. The central place in our heart must be given to God. And as a result of our heart being given to God, we gladly obey his commandments. But keep in mind, folks, the price that we pay as great as we might think it might be in human terms, the price we can pay is so little 
in comparison to the price that the Lord paid for our salvation, so little in comparison to the blessings, the gift that we receive, it's almost totally insignificant. And even though the price we pay for our salvation is almost nothing at all when we compare it to what God has done for us, our part is still crucially and vitally important. And so today, it's my desire as we close today that those who have yet to become Christians, I hope you'll realize the necessity of doing something to receive God's blessings. I hope you'll realize the importance of going to the door, becoming a New Testament Christian, demonstrating your faith by being baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You know, in Acts chapter 10, we read about Cornelius, that man of the long ago, an unusually good man, the Bible says, and yet he was lost in spite of that goodness. See, nobody can have salvation today unless they are in Christ Jesus. Salvation is in Christ, 2 Timothy 2 and verse 10. The only way to get into Christ is to be baptized into Christ, Galatians 3 and verse 27. And I believe there are millions of Americans today that are living reasonably decent lives, expecting that to somehow be enough whereas salvation is only in Christ. And may all them and us today realize that there's a price that's been paid for us, and yet there's a price that we must pay as well. I hope you've paid that price today. I can't think of a better thing for a person outside of Christ to do today than to obey the gospel. Or if you've not been willing to pay that price, if you've not given your allegiance to the Lord, maybe you need to come today as well. This morning, the invitation is yours.